It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. What's up, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here on this Friday. If you're like me and you're also a Bengals fan, then let us all say welcome Joe Burrow to Cincinnati. But for more on that, check out the Locked On Bengals podcast. And we're going to talk about some Red stuff here today. I've got we'll we'll check in on the latest idea that Major League Baseball has reportedly come up with for restarting the season. Also, want to get into an article on CBS. Actually, both things come from CBS Sports. The report was from CBS Sports, and then there's an article on CBS Sports about what a shortened season or especially a lost season does for some players that are trying to bolster their Hall of Fame uh, resumes. Well, we'll jump into all of that and some locked on Reds line stuff here in just a few but before we do make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on all the many podcasting platforms follow me on twitter at jeff Carr with three f's and follow the show at locked on reds and save the locked on reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159 so let's jump in the, the report came out earlier this week that multiple sources from major league baseball informed cbs sports that they had come up with Yet another plan. The plan would be to have three states. So you'd have Arizona, Florida, and Texas as sites where teams would be, possibly breaking it up into thirds, obviously, 10 per state. Now, this would be interesting. They have not released what the divisions of the three states would be, what what 10 teams would be in each of the states, but it would probably be different from what we were looking at in Arizona, where the Reds got put into the division of death. And it even says that it wouldn't just be the Texas idea, wouldn't just be Houston, it would also utilize the new ballpark in Arlington. And the advantages to that means that every stadium that they use has a retractable roof, so they would just get rid of the notion that they would have to worry about weather and if it got too hot, they could control the environment. If it rained, they could put the roof up, all that good stuff. However, again, this doesn't really address some of the more hardcore topics that players are worried about. And CBS goes so far as to state that anything like this should be taken with a grain of salt, as Major League Baseball considers them more ideas than actual plans. Kind of like I mentioned, uh, shout out to Guardians of the Galaxy. They've got a bunch of you know, parts of plans, 12% of a plan. In fact, they even have a quote from Commissioner Rob Manfred. He said, from our perspective, we don't have a plan. We have lots of ideas. He told this to Fox Business. 
what ideas come to fruition depends on what the restrictions are, what the public health situation is, but we are intent on the idea of making baseball a part of the economic recovery and sort of a milestone on the return to normalcy. So yeah, that's kind of nice. Get baseball going with uh, this. But again, another idea to kind of keep an eye on. There's now three ideas floating around, and for each idea, they add a state. So maybe in a month, we'll get to the point where we just have baseball in everyone's own stadium. Who knows? But as it stands right now, there's the Arizona plan where everybody's sequestered in Arizona. There's a plan for the Cactus League and the Grapefruit League where they play in Arizona and Florida. And now there's a plan where they play in Arizona, Florida, and Texas. Who knows how all that's going to continue to develop, but I'll keep an eye on it here from the Locked On Reds podcast studios high atop. I'm just kidding. I'm not high atop anything. So let's jump in also to this other CBS Sports article that I saw. They, they broke down players who are trying to build a Hall of Fame resume and how a shortened or even canceled especially canceled, obviously it would really affect it, but how a shortened season would affect their resumes. And, of course, Joey Votto was on that list. Now, here's the deal. I do still think Joey Votto needs some work. I mean, he's got a great amount of war. He's up there with a lot of Hall of Famers as far as his wins above replacement total. His slash lines are Hall of Fame worthy. And, you know, maybe he just needs to up his counting stats a little bit. He doesn't have that far to go to get to 300 home runs and even 1,000 RBIs if that's really what you want to, you know, focus in on. But comparing, and, and, they, and they compare Joey Votto to Zach Greinke in this respect. And here, I, I understand, it's right that Joey Votto still has a little bit of work to do to see his head made into a bust in Cooperstown. But I disagree with what CBS Sports has said. CBS Sports, when they looked at when this article that was written earlier this week by a Matt Snyder, he said Grinky and Votto both compare in that their rate stats scream Cooperstown, but they need to work on their counting stats. And here's what he specifically honed in on with Grinky and Votto. Grinky needs to compile more wins, and Votto needs to compile more RBIs. What kind of antiquated thinking are we talking about here? Look, I get it. You want to look a little bit better in your counting stats and things like that, but when is Cooperstown going to catch up with the whole idea that you don't evaluate players based on just a couple of stats? If you're going to keep them out based on Grinky's win total or Votto's RBI total, then you're missing like 95% of the picture. And yeah, I know. You're going to argue with me and you say, well, Joey Votto's a first baseman. He's supposed to have RBIs. I don't understand why we have to pigeonhole each and every player. Joey Votto is a different player from even Sean Casey. Sean Casey had a great batting average, decent amount of RBIs, really solid hitter all around. Joey Votto is one of the smartest hitters. He has the best eye in the franchise history of the Reds. I firmly believe that. He has more command of the strike zone than any Red has ever had. Due to that, he takes more walks. He should not be 
penalized in the Hall of Fame because he took more walks. This is an idea that really got accentuated by the whole Moneyball movement, which we've now moved way past, except some people seem to have not felt like they even counted that in the history of baseball. But when Moneyball began, the idea of on-base percentage being probably one of the more, if not the most important stat in a hitter's arsenal came to fruition. And we've since kind of developed that into some other statistics and really rounded out how we define the value of a hitter. But think of it this way. If a man has a thousand, op- or a thousand on-base percentage, which is the best you can get, that's a perfect on-base percentage, he never makes an out. Does it matter how he gets there? Do you have to look at it and say, well, he's got a 1,000 on-base percentage, so he never made an out, but we really think he should have had more RBIs. We really think he should have done a little bit more of this, that category, and because of that, we're going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. I think that's a lot of hogwash. Look, he's got a few more things. He's, just, he's got to continue his successful rate stats for a couple more years. He still has a career batting average over 300. He still has a career on base percentage that is very Joey Votto-esque at 421. I mean, you're, you're going to keep that out of the Hall of Fame if he keeps that up for a couple more years. I know rate stats are easily manipulated when you look at a guy's overall body of work and the sample size with which you are describing. But Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer if he keeps us up for, I'd even say, two more years. If he doesn't bottom out and hits like 200 for the next two years or something like that, man's going to the Hall of Fame. Stop worrying about his RBI totals. And Grinky's not a red. But as far as pitchers as a whole go, stop evaluating them based on their win-loss record. They have some control over it, but they don't have nearly as much control over it as guys back in the 20s and 30s and 40s and even before that. And I'd, I'd probably say like maybe the 50s, but then they really started to incorporate relievers. They really started to incorporate bigger starting rotations. And that's when you start to see the reliability of a pitcher's win-loss record go down. Stop evaluating guys on that. Anyway, all right, I'm, I'm done with the soapbox. We're going to jump into some Locked On Reds line talk here in just a minute, but I also wanted to remind you guys that this weekend is Potapalooza. It's the thing that I got to be involved in and Locked On Reds is featured in that is a charity for the nonprofit organization called Give Directly. What you do is you buy a ticket to listen to some awesome podcasts. It's not like any one set price. It's literally just a donation. You make a donation through the website at plza.org and you get the opportunity to listen to all these great podcasts. There's TED Talks, there's Freakonomics, there's this awesome thing. I don't know if, I'm a Star Trek fan, I don't know if any of you guys listening are Star Trek fans, but there is a podcast just called Levar Burton Reads, or it's just something I think, kind of like The Reading Rainbow. Shout out to when I was a kid, but uh, he's got a podcast as well. They're all a part of this, and Locked On is a part as well. I joined with a host from Locked On NFL, Locked On NBA, Locked On NHL, Locked On College, and David Locke, and we put together an awesome podcast for you. You go to plza.org, buy a ticket. All of the money 
goes to give directly. And give directly is trying to offset the economic damage that has been done to families who have lost jobs and lost income through this global COVID-19 pandemic. That's plza.org for Potapalooza. Buy a ticket, support some charities, and listen to some great podcasts, including yours truly and Locked On Reds, who's featured in the Locked On podcast episode. And a ground ball back up through the middle, and the Reds win! The Reds win! The Reds are going to win the game and sweep the Astros! The youngsters, Senzel ties it with two outs in the ninth, and in the wink of an eye, Winker the game-winning base hit into right center field, and the Reds have swept the Houston Astros. That is courtesy of, of course, our friends at Fox Sports Ohio. Awesome call. I Look, I know people like to hate on Tom Brenneman, but there are a few announcers that do a big moment like Tom Brenneman does a big moment. He is very, very good at the drama and all that good stuff. I love listening to him make that call. And the reason I pulled up that highlight is because our friend Risto down in Jacksonville gave us his most memorable moment from the 2019 season, and that was the sweep of the Astros, that specific game. And as he writes, the ninth inning clutch hits. I mean, you had Jose Peraza lead off with a double. Then Nick Senzel has the RBI to score him and tie the game. And then followed by Winker's walk-off single, which literally was a a ground ball that just seen I single through the infield. And Senzel just absolutely flying around the base paths to come in and score. Just awesome, awesome game. And Aristo said something no team had done so far that season was, you know, sweeping the Astros. Aristo also says two things stood out to me in that game. How excited Tom Brenneman got calling the play from the Fox Sports Ohio booth and the number of fans who brought and were waving brooms in the stands. Both reminded me of better times from the past. Also worth mentioning was Tyler Malley's excellent start. Yes, he did pitch very well that game. There's a reason that the Reds were able to only score twice in the ninth and win the game because he held the Astros at bay. I think the only run was scored on a solo home run by Michael Brantley, and I think that was in like the seventh inning, if I remember right. I actually got to go to that game, so shout out to Risto for pointing that game out because that was an awesome moment of last season and you look back on that and you think wow because at that point the Reds were really making some noise in the whole idea of you know the playoff race I remember leaving that game thinking they are definitely going to be a 500 ball club of course that didn't quite happen it fell off at the end but an awesome game to be at nonetheless there's a couple of questions I want to get to that people gave me on the locked on Reds line a first one and this comes from Hannah in Cincinnati, saying, what do you think David Bell is doing during this quarantine? I'm guessing he probably took up a pottery class. I bet he's really, really good at making the clay, you know, throwing some clay, whatever it is pottery people say about making clay. I bet he's become a really good clay pot maker. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm sure that It's almost a daily occurrence of him trying to figure out how to get ready for a season that both is and is not happening as of right now. 
because they've put together this amazing team for him to manage and the expectations have skyrocketed and now it's just been all pulled out from underneath of him. How does he get through that? It's got to be a daily thing that he just sits in his home office or whatever and contacts coaches trying to figure out how the guys are staying loose, how the players, I'm sure by now, whatever they did in spring training to kind of get into a rhythm has been destroyed. I know that their home gyms are probably pretty nice, and what they've got at home to keep themselves loose is probably nice, but they're still going to need a couple of weeks of spring training. And I'm sure he's trying to get that all worked out because there's a lot of unknowns about how good some of these guys can be. We all hope Shogo can hit leadoff. We all hope that Nick Castellanos won't be a defensive liability, and same goes for Mike Moustakis at second base. We all hope that that will all come to fruition. And as a manager, he's got to be thinking of all those contingencies. But don't rule out pottery making just yet. And then one final question, and this is always my favorite. I always love talking about this. If it's not the Reds, I love talking about food, and I love talking about drinks. And we got a question from Steve in Georgia asking, what is your favorite beer? Normally, it's the one that I'm currently drinking. But if I really had to pick, there was this beer that I had just a couple of days ago from Braxton. Braxton makes an awesome like tropical IPA. It's called Tropical Flare. I really didn't think I'd like it whenever I first tried it. I got in one of those uh, sampler packs that you can get at like Kroger or something like that. It comes with like four different types of beer. And the Tropic Flare, it's either Tropic Flare or Tropical Flare IPA by Braxton is phenomenal. Really easy drinking for an IPA. Drink that thing like all day and super tasty too. And it reminds you of warmer weather which we keep getting little tiny glimpses of here in Cincinnati. And then, oh, hey, by the way, the sun went down. Now it's like 30. Come on, man. Give me some warm weather. Anyway, that's going to do it for us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you missed anything, go back and check it out. Earlier this week, we had Steve Offenbaker on. We talked about Aristides Aquino. We talked about the left field platoon in Jesse Winker and Philip Irvin. We also had Joel Luckupt on the show on Wednesday's episode. We talked about the best Reds from each and every of the United States. I also, and and I forgot to mention this throughout the entire show, but I also wrote an article for that on Red Leg Nation. I came up with my list of favorite Reds, and shout out to Joel for giving me the idea, but I came up with my list of the best red from each and every state now let me tell you that took a really long time to do and it's like 3,500 words it's it's a crazy amount but it was so fun found some awesome ones probably my favorite and just looking at all the crazy names especially from way back when like when you look at reds from the state of New York there were two guys and, and there have been a lot of really good Reds throughout their 150 years of baseball from the state of New York. But there were two guys that stood out to me, and it's not because of how good they were, it's because of their names. You had Icebox Chamberlain and Old Haas Radburn. You just don't get names like that anymore, man. You just don't. But anyway, check that out at redlegnation.com to see my list and how it might compare to Joel's on Twitter. But that's going to do it. I've been rambling on for too long about the Reds. 
never mind. You can't ramble on too long about the Reds because the Reds are awesome. Thanks so much for listening, though. Make sure that you check out Potapalooza this weekend at plza.org. But that's going to do it for us here. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. This has been the Locked On Reds podcast. Now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Major League Baseball. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.